0: Please remain standing as we uh, read today's scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 1 through verse 8. Let us read together. Now that we have a new LED screen, uh, you can see very, very clearly. Um, so let's read together, let's begin. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant, mourn. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So once again, um, praise the Lord uh, for new LED screen. Um, the, the fact that we're able to really celebrate together, uh, that this was really initiated uh, together uh, with Korean congregation and English congregation. And our New Hope uh, really stepped up and initiated, uh, contributed uh, 50% of the cost. Uh, so that's why our entire church was able to uh, do fundraising and do campaign. So I just want to thank our congregation members, especially uh, New Hope. But more than anything, uh, let's just really thank the Lord for God has given us amazing facility so that we can freely worship God. I noticed that during praise, rather than reflecting the beauty of God's word, uh, you're reflecting the screen. Uh, so I hope and pray that you'll be able to just reflect and focus on uh, today's message, uh, not on the screen, whether I have a pimples or wrinkles uh, and, or, or not. Uh, Because today's passage, um, it is a rather heavy and serious topic. Uh, It talks about church discipline uh, with the title called Godly Discipline. So healthy church community is the one that's able to deal with sin and overcome Uh, Let me repeat that once again. Healthy community is the one able to deal with sin and overcome. When we fail to deal with sin, uh, sin spreads out so quickly. Uh, It begins to uh, rule and reign over our lives. Not only that we begin to experience distant fellowship with our God, We go through spiritual desert, and we experience a darkness of our soul as well. We know that sin not only affects our individual lives, but affects our marriage, our family, relationship, and our church community as well. And many times when we fail to deal with sin, we cannot carry on God-given calling through our lives. And that is why today's passage is a rather difficult passage. If you go to First Corinthians chapter four, it is very interesting because Paul is very strict in saying, do not judge other people. Do not judge other people based on your own perspective, your own values and assumptions. But on the other hand, when it comes to chapter 5, now Paul is saying, you better judge. But He's talking about judging not person or other people, but judging and discerning sin based on scriptural truth. Are you able to separate this? Not judging person, but judging sin being able to differentiate and discern the difference. Even Jesus said, do not judge and criticize other people, and yet you need to be very strong and stern when it comes to sin. It is church's responsibility uh, that we need to have godly discipline. Can you imagine, even in our families today, um, we are afraid of disciplining our children. So we permit. And because we don't have a discipline uh, in our families at times, our children, they don't learn what is wrong and what is uh, deviating from the standard or the truth. And that's why even when they go to school, they're causing bigger serious issues and problems. And when they go to society and building relationships, they don't know how to respect one another as well so therefore it is church's call and responsibility also to have godly discipline so god has given church three very very important responsibilities number one proclaiming the word of the lord and conducting sacrament such as baptism and communion and these two something that we all know okay church of course churches should do proclaiming of the Word of the Lord, and communion, baptism, but we are lacking one last thing, which is church discipline. Just like it is a parent's responsibility to discipline children, I'm not talking about physical discipline, but we're talking about godly discipline that is correcting and revising and rebuking. In the same way, the church needs to preach the gospel and uh, do communion and baptism, but also to uh, church discipline as well. And over 2,000 years, uh, the reason why church was able to continually stand, it is through godly discipline. So what does Bible talk about discipline? And what can we really learn from today's passage? Number one, we have to be reminded once again that pride dilutes our sins. If we fail to discipline, we end up diluting sin. And as we dilute sin, we end up defiling the body of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is warning. So in chapter 5, it talks about sexual immorality. It was completely inappropriate relationship. And this one of the members of the church of 1 Corinthians He ended up living together with stepmother. So Paul was very, very upset about this. But not only this person's act or sexual immorality, the fact that the church sort of permitted and they didn't want to deal with it. So they left it hanging. And this sin spread out to even other community and people start talking about it. It ended up defiling a body of Christ, but also the reputation of Christ. Because these such act and sinful act, even pagans and people, non-believers, were shaking their heads. But Paul is rebuking not this, just this person, but church leaders and church community that you are arrogant. You are proud because you are leaving this sin. Rather than dealing with it, you are diluting the sin. Perhaps the queen and church was thinking that, you know what, just one person's problem. Just because one person's sin against God, it doesn't really affect our entire community. You know, we're a strong community. We're not going to fall apart through that person. Well, you know what, he is just always like that. It's not mature. So let's not deal with this issue. So that's why Paul says in verse 2, And you are arrogant. Out you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this to be removed from among you. The arrogance caused them to be hardened rather than mourning and weeping before the Lord. That we may have a right relationship when our community and our congregation members are sinning and violating against God. Our appropriate response is that us, that we need to be mourning, we need to be weeping, we need to be devastated through this rather than judging that person. But it is a pride in our stubbornness. We justify sin. Not only diluting the sin, but we justify we make it so relative, and nowadays uh, we are dealing with a lot of serious issues that we, as a church and a lot of denominations, right now, battling with the issue of homosexuality. So now, like because we're dealing with uh, you know more complicated issue, homosexuality. When it comes to heterosexuality, having appropriate relationship. And having this sexual relationship outside of marriage, you know what? That's not a big deal. We have more complicated issues. Are we able to really discipline? Is church discipline really possible today? Even at home, you know, parents try to discipline children and they leave home. What does it mean by then, you know, drive this person out? But Paul didn't say immediately drive this person out, but Paul said you need to deal with this person and deal with this sin first. But when we fail to drive out sin it begins to affect and defile the body and relationship as well. And can you imagine when everyone knows and there was exposed sin and then with me just permit and avoid other younger brothers and sisters and people who have a weaker faith, they think that, you know what? Okay, I can do whatever I want as well. And they end up also justifying their own sins as well. And that's why Paul says in verse six, "Your boasting is not good." Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Well, one of the one of the biggest challenges is that you know nowadays, um, it is so hard for us to even talk about church discipline because congregation members, church discipline. Forget it. I can go to so many other churches. That we switch our church so easily these days. It's like we have this consumerism shopping mentality. Can you imagine children like saying, well, I don't want discipline of my parents. I can go to someone else's house and then live there. But that's the mindset that we have about when it comes to church. When I was in uh, Los Angeles, uh, one of the experiences that we had at church was that one of the ordained deacons had an affair, and uh, that was confronted But one of the things that I really wanna share with you is that the fact that he was able to confess and repent before the Lord and before church community. So church disciplined him for six months of uh, being abstained from communion. But during that six months, his family was being restored. He was able to really restore his relationship with God and church prayed for him and his family and after six months of a discipline, he was able to really get back to his spiritual walk, really serving others as well. Now that I think about it, you know what? That was a very courageous thing for him to do. Rather than leaving the church community, staying through, going through discipline and humility and being restored. And also church praying for the family and cheering for the family so that they are able to really overcome and rise above. Using Peterson in his uh, the translation, the message, this is what he says in First Corinthians chapter five, "Let him defend it if he can, but if he can't, then out with him, it will be totally devastating to him. Of course, embarrassing to you, but better devastation and embarrassment than damnation. You want him on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of the judgment. The reason why we have a discipline is to separate between a person and sin, and we hate sin, we condemn sin, and yet we love this person, we're giving opportunity for this person to repent and come back and return before the Lord. And that, is the, that is the purpose behind. And when we are humble before the Lord, we're able to confess our sins before the Lord. So now I'm not talking about we need to do church discipline. All of a sudden, you know, like investigate every person, your secret, hidden sins. That's not what we're talking about. But as we go through a church discipline issue, as we hear these, we begin to also examine our hearts. Because all of us in this room, we do have our own sins that is hidden, that we struggle. That God wants to rebuke through such message, and maybe some of us will go through even discipline right now in very different, special ways. So, sisters, is there any sin that you need to deal with today? Is there any sin that you need to drive out from your family? You need to drive out from your heart today. Because if you do not deal and overcome and restore the sin, as much as you are thinking diluting it, it is actually defiling your soul. It is defiling your relationship. But in order for us to deal with it, number two, God's Word provides clear standard. So we don't do it out of our own moral or ethic behavior, or our own standard, because our own standard changes all the time. Even illegal drug becomes legalized, and our students are confused with the standard, because law changes. But we're not talking about the secular law, but we're talking about spiritual... The standard, the biblical standard that God has given to us. So when it comes to sin, in Hebrews, it has three different, uh, three layers of a meaning. Number one, when we deviate from God's standard, that is sin. Number two, when we distort the truth, that is sin. Number three, when we are determined to disobey God's truth intentionally, that is sin. So it has three different layers. Number one, some of us, we don't know God's Word, so we have our own standard. And sometimes we deviate from, God, uh, from God's standard. But number two, we know it, but we justify it, so we end up distorting it. Number three, we know it so well, we cannot even distort it. It is so clear, and yet we are determined to disobey intentionally. when it comes to certain issues, sexual immorality, marital relationship, we know God's truth and God's standards, so truth, and yet we make it relative, we make it subjective, we make it circumstantial, and we justify, distort, or sometimes we determine and say, you know what, I'm going to just do it, God's going to forgive me later anyways. But God's standard is so clear that it said, be holy. Keep your relationship pure before the Lord. And again, not based on our own righteousness, but based on God's righteousness. And because of this, we have to understand that Christ has come and He died on the cross. He sacrificed Himself in order to make us pure and holy based on God's righteousness. In verse 7, cleanse out the old laven that you may be a new lump as you really are unlaven for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Of course, we're old leaven. We cannot make ourselves pure and clean but only through sacrifice of Jesus Christ were considered as pure and holy in the eyes of God. But in this relativism, continually pushing us. And we let it slide through God's clear scriptural standard that we have. And that's why we need to have a discernment. I have prepared um, a picture of a person. Um, you know, those of you uh, years ago who attended our joint New Hope retreat, uh, Pastor Min Chung from Chicago um, shared about this person. Her name was Alice Bailey who was a part of the New Age movement writer, influential writer but who was against Christianity her agenda was to really demolish and destroy Christian values in North America she lived in 1880 until 1949 who passed like 68 like 70 years ago and yet she had the tactics to destroy Christian value in ten different ways. Listen to this. Number one, take God and prayer out of the education system. Number two, reduce parental authority over the children. I think parents will agree, right? Nowadays, we tell parents, uh, children, what to do, and then children say, oh, you do better. Okay. What about you? Number three, destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure or the traditional Christian family structure. Number four, if sex is free, then make abortion legal and make it easy. Make divorce easy and legal. Free people from the concept of marriage for life. Make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Debate art. Make it run mad. Use media to promote and change mindset create an interfaith movement, get governments to make all these laws and get the church to endorse these changes. Seventy years ago, this was agenda. And if I read all ten, it really happened. Even private Christian institutions are being attacked these days, holding their scriptural stand and a government is not only withdrawing their funding, but even taking away their educational degree. And that is becoming right now spiritual warfare. And this is what Satan does making this clear standard like very blurry and creating such gap between God's clear standard. You know, that's the nature of sin. You know, as we raise our children, you know, like it is so true that we're all sinners. Right? So even little children, they're so clever and crafty. You know, they go to mom and the mom says no. Then what do they do? They come to dad. And sometimes dad say without knowing, yes. What happens? Daddy said yes. And the next day when I say no, they go to mom, and then mom says yes. Mom said yes. We make it relative. We deviate and make all this gap when God says so clearly through the scripture standard. And no wonder Why? We fail to hold the truth, and we have no ground even to talk about church discipline. But in order for us to have discipline, number one, we have to also reflect ourselves. Parents, when you discipline your children, you need to discipline your children, but In order for you to do that, you need to examine where you are first. I'm not saying you need to be perfect, but you need to also have a humility before God and reflect how you are living out your life of gospel. Nine marks. Mark Dever talks about church discipline. In order for church discipline to hold Number one, we need to really be careful raising up leaders of our church. So many times in our churches today, we raise deacons and elders or even pastors because you've been oh, you've been serving long enough. You've been coming out to church or oh, you've been tithing. You've been contributing in so many ways so we make you leaders. We make that as almost like a seniority. Who's been at church for long enough, and we make them to be deacons, we make them be elders, and even pastors, all just because he or she went to seminary, he or she should be ordained. And such leadership structure and having no accountability weakens our church so that we cannot even discipline others because we're failing. Is new hope healthy enough for us to really hold accountable? Is a brother or a sister struggling or sinning against God? Are we able to really give that person opportunity to confess and to be restored and weep together and also go through this discipline so that we can experience restoration? because which leads to my last point, the ultimate purpose of discipline is restoration. In verse 5, it says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. The commentators are explaining this to be not like handing over to Satan, literally, but experiencing this connection from the body of Jesus Christ and experiencing even suffering, even physical illness. But when a person goes through such difficult time in isolation, what happens is that if that person is really born-again Christian, number one, he will or she will repent when sin is being exposed. But when there is a really desperate measure of disconnection or excommunication or isolation, this person will come to realize, you know what, I have sinned against God and com- confess. And in humility, we turn to the community. We saw, example, a prodigal son who left his father's house, ended up living with a pig, and yet come to senses, repent, and come back before his father. And that's the heart of our father. The reason why he disciplined his children is so that we will realize that we have sinned against God and we have sinned against our community or even our husband, our wives and our children, our community so that we repent before the Lord will be restored. And that is the ultimate purpose. That is the one layer of restoration, but not only that person's restoration or family, but also restoration of God's glory. So that God's name will be glorified and honored so that people will come to really revere the presence, the holy presence of God. In verse 8 says, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old laven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Brothers and sisters, please don't get it wrong. The sincerity, truth we cannot obtain on our own. But the sincerity and truth will be only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because again, we do not have our righteousness on our own. but what happens is that when we confess our sins rather than covering up then we are being covered by blood of Jesus Christ what was the difference between Judas Iscariot and Peter Judas Iscariot tried to cover himself and commit suicide but Peter was being covered by blood of Jesus Christ. The reason why we have so many incidents, just like a Judas Iscariot, in our community, is that we have so much hatred and judgment. Rather than we see discipline as a restoration, we want to restore that person. We want to restore that relationship. We judge, condemn, and then we bury them. because of our own shame issue. But we may truly recognize the power of the gospel, grace and forgiveness. Not only we are being covered, but we are <clears throat> restored and we experience restored relationship with one another. Those of us who have a sin against God, but also against our loved ones, we begin to have healing and restoration through sincerity and truth so that we begin to love God and we begin to love our family again. We begin to love God-given calling in our lives. I know that many of you uh, read the newspaper or even through media or SNS, social media. The powerful image of this week was about forgiveness. You see the picture? The police officer in Dallas, Amber Tiger. by accident he went into someone else's house and thinking that this person was a thief, ended up shooting and killing this person. How devastating that is. And killing a person by misusing authority and power, misusing gun, based on her own assumption and her fault and failure. And yet we see this powerful image by brother who was shot to death. Same was Brent Jean coming down and extending forgiveness this person who has shot and killed his own brother in the name of Jesus Christ. The message like this gives us hope that forgiveness and the power of the gospel and grace is so real. Only when we truly believe that God's grace and God's forgiveness is real, we have faith and courage to go through even discipline. Just because she was forgiven doesn't mean that she's free to go. She was sentenced for 10 years. But again, it was God's heart to bring restoration and give hope to nations. The gospel is alive. That God's forgiveness is real. Brothers and sisters, there is no sin greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. If you come back before the Lord and repent and confess before the Lord, yes, he will cover by his blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the ultimate purpose of godly discipline. I would like to end today's message with this quote. Leonard Lavin Hill said, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of unholy world and make him holy then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it i think that is a part of god's loving discipline let's pray together Brothers and sisters, is there any areas uh, you feel like God is disciplining you? Because God loves you. Because God loves you so much, so that He wants to deal with your sin rather than diluting. I hope and pray that even including myself we come before the lord today and rather than distorting it or you know coming up with our own defense let's just confess before the lord and let's ask the holy spirit to give us a power and courage to admit but also drive the sin away from our lives secondly as we pray as God disciplines God's heart is to restore you it's not for eternal condemnation but God wants to restore your relationship with God but relationship also with other people if you have hurt maybe some of us we have gone through discipline maybe some of us we have repented before the Lord and yet we still hold bitterness that we cannot forgive. We're still condemning and judging that person and holding this bitterness and hatred in our heart. That's something also that we need to really let go and bring resolve in the presence of God today. thirdly let's pray for our new York community not only in our families that we as a parents that we really care for our children and really godly way not our own anger but godly way of disciplining our children that we as a church in our small group life groups and our church leadership we are able to really take God's word seriously. We will uphold it right so that we will not compromise but we will speak the truth of God. So let's spend some time in prayer today. Let's pray.